Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Pastor John Mark Caton joins us today to start off our brand new series, Stepping Up to Greatness. Be sure to join us each Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. at Cottonwood Creek Church in Allen, Texas. Now, let's hear from Pastor John Mark. Uh, it's always good to hear you guys talking and getting to know each other and uh, I always want to keep creating fellowship. Uh, as Justin said, we start a new series today entitled Stepping Up to Greatness. And that's really what I want to encourage us to do is I want to encourage us to uh, think about what is, what is it going to take for everyone in this room to step up to greatness? What is it going to take for our church to continue to step up to greatness? And uh, I will tell you, I think the key uh, to us as a church stepping up to greatness is the guys in this room being willing to step up to greatness in your spiritual walk, in your spiritual journey. Uh, if, if you look, if you go in the Old Testament, you look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, uh, here's, what, here's what it says. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, we all know that verse. How many of you at least heard that verse before? And man, we want to claim that verse. We love that verse. We say, man, but reality, am I living that verse out? Do I really feel like, man, I, I am seizing the future that God wants me to seize? I am, I, I've achieved what God has wanted me to achieve. And a lot of times, let's be honest, and I've felt this way from time to time, the answer is no. I mean, we love that verse. I want it. I want that verse. I, I claim that verse. I believe God's plans. But what causes us not to live those kind of lives? I think sometimes... Um, it's a disobedience. We just flat out refuse to obey God's plan. Man, we, we know what God's word says about this or that or this or that. Uh, my relationships, my finances, my worship, my service. We know what, it does, what, what God's plan is. We just refuse to obey it. And when we refuse to obey it, we can't really claim that verse. But if we obey it, we can say, God, I, I'm going through some stuff right now. But you know I'm faithful in every area you've called me to be faithful in. Therefore, I believe that somewhere in the future, I'm going to see your plan. And I'm going to experience your blessings. I think another, time, another reason is uh, sometimes we, we doubt that God's plan is best for us. We think, you know, God, I, I, I do sense that you want me to go this way or do that. But, but God, I, I just seem like if, if I go this way or if I do this... Then, then maybe this will be a better plan for our lives. Sometimes we just disobey God's plan. Sometimes we just choose our own plan. We just say, you know what, I kind of like my own plan. Um, I think there are times in our lives that we forget who we are. That we forget that we're a child of God, saved by grace. And we sometimes just forget that that's who we are. And with that, comes some royalty. How many of you know, according to God's word, if you're a believer, you're royalty? And with royalty comes royal privileges. If we don't walk away from those. And so over the next couple of weeks, I really want to go to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, a book in the Old Testament. We're going to start there, Deuteronomy chapter 1 today. It's kind of a unique book. I don't know when the last time you've read it. Maybe perhaps uh, never. Uh, maybe perhaps you've just heard little bits and pieces. Let me tell you a little bit about Deuteronomy as we kind of lay a foundation for this idea of stepping up into greatness. If you go look in, um, in the Bible, uh, just somebody guess. Uh, in the New Testament, 
What do you think the number one quoted Old Testament Bible is, uh, Old Testament book is quoted in the New Testament? What, somebody just throw something out there. Huh? Psalms is number one. Somebody hit Psalms. What do you think is number two? Isaiah is number two. Deuteronomy is number three. So if, if the New Testament writers quote the book of Deuteronomy, the third most of any of the Old Testament books, we ought to read it from time to time. Guess what verse, what book in the Old Testament Jesus referenced and quoted more than any other verse, any other book, Deuteronomy. So if you think about how important is this book, it's powerfully important. And so we want to take the message uh, to heart. Now, it's kind of interesting if you look at it, the content of it, it's, it's really Moses who is 120 years old. Remember, if you go back and track Moses' life, 40 years, first 40 years, he spent uh, as a child of Pharaoh uh, down in Egypt. Then 40 years, he, he, he meandered around in the desert. He was uh, basically a shepherd. And then all of a sudden he has the experience in the burning bush. In the next 40 years, he goes in, leaves the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt, towards the promised land, to the promised land. They say no. He meanders around in the desert. So Moses is now 20, 120 years old. He's outside the promised land. He, he's looking at a lot of people who are the sons and grandsons of the people who died in the wilderness. Do you not understand what I'm saying? When they disobeyed. He, he's not looking to his own generation. Because if, if, if when Moses is talking and really this whole idea of the book of Deuteronomy, anybody ever gone to uh, some preacher's website and it says so-and-so.com and all their sermons are there? You, you know what I'm talking about. You've ever been there? That's what Deuteronomy is. It's kind of like Moses.com, all right? These are all of his best messages collected in a best place, and then he's reiterating uh, and expounding on everything he had said before. And he's talking to the people who are going to go into the promised land even though he knows he's not. I'm going to say that again. Moses is encouraging those who are going to go into the promised land even though he knows he's not. He's probably, as we start Deuteronomy chapter 1, only about 70 or 80 days from dying. He's been faithful to God, not perfectly, but in a lot of ways he's been faithful to God. And he's challenging the men. And some of the things he says is, don't forget about God's faithfulness. And he kind of will expound over the next couple of weeks. We'll see, man, don't forget the Red Sea. Many of those people he's talking to, they just heard about the Red Sea. They didn't experience it. Some of those that were listening, they experienced it as a child, not as an adult. He had a lot of people that were born in the desert. So they're 40, or 40 years of age or younger. And he's telling them, listen, I know you've heard about that. And when we were hungry, God gave us bread, manna to eat. God gave us meat. God led us by day and night with the fire and the cloud. And so he's beginning to tell them, he's reminding them of all of this. And he goes, listen, when you go into the promised land, that same God that parted the waters and fed you and led you will be your God if you are willing to follow his plan. And so I love this idea as we think about the men in this room. I will tell you, there are, there are a number of men in this room 
that um, you have been faithful for a long, long season because as you look at Moses and you think about the audience when he's speaking the book of Deuteronomy in this collection of sermons over and over again, um, most of the people there, if not all of the people there were younger than Moses, save two. Anybody know who those two would have been? Joshua and Caleb. Why? They were the two spies that said, let's go into the land, remember? God preserved them. And so as you think about where we are and where they are, uh, man, he is talking to people after they've all seen a generation die in the desert because of their disobedience. And so the challenge in this series, guys, is we want to step up to greatness. Because if we don't step up to greatness, we could die in our own desert. And let me tell you what, that is not God's plan for your life. That is not God's desire for your life. And some of you, man, you are long in the tooth, all right? And you're like, how much longer do I have? Let me tell you what, Moses knew he didn't have long. Right after we get, or as we get towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy, you want to know what happened? God takes Moses up on Mount Pisgah and says, there's the promised land. Sure wish you ought to have been there 40 years ago. You're not going in. But here's Moses who knows he's not going in, still wanting to be an inspiration to those who are. And so guys, the challenge for us as men as we step up Man, whether God lets us go into our own promised land or not, let's still be the kind of people like Moses was. Says, I'm going to look into somebody else's eyes and say the promised land is there if you are faithful, if you obey, if you trust God, if you live how God wants you to live. But if you don't, you can find your way in a desert, but even in the desert, you can find God's grace and find God's love. And so I love this. You've got Moses encouraging those who are going to go in even though he's not going to go in you have an audience that is listening that says we're going to get it right this time and they ultimately go in so deuteronomy uh, precedes the idea of joshua when joshua goes in what's how does joshua chapter one start where joshua's scared to death he's been under moses's tutelage and leadership for a long time and god has to talk to joshua um, several times says it several times in chapter one be strong and courageous, do not fear. Be strong and courageous, do not fear. Be strong and courageous, do not fear. Why is that? Because Moses is gone. And so maybe there's some of you in here that, that you've lost a spiritual giant in your life. Be strong and courageous. So when we talk about doing some things here today and the next couple of weeks of what it truly means to step up, man, let's just think through the book of Deuteronomy. That you have Moses, this guy that knows he's literally within weeks of his death, wants to call the children of Israel together and speak some last words to them to encourage them to follow God in every possible way. And so that's kind of a thought. And so here are kind of four grand themes is um, when you, we look through the book of Deuteronomy is one, uh, looking back on God's faithfulness, that God was faithful even when we were unfaithful. Number two, looking back on Israelite failures, and he brings them up. He reminds them of where they failed. Uh, number three, looking at your present. Man, how am I really doing right now? He says, you got to examine it. You got to check it out. And you got to ask yourself a question. When I think about my life spiritually right now, 
Am I what God wants me to be? Or do I have some things I need to change in my life so I become the man God wants me to be? Am I the kind of person that I, I know I'm close to the promised land of, uh, of walking in faith and being committed and being faithful? Or am I just outside the promised land? Because he is just outside the promised land when he is delivering this message. He's not in. It's so close he can walk over, climb up a mountain. He can see it. And he's sitting there challenging him, don't stay in the desert. Cross the river. And man, when we get that mindset as men and our families and our lives, man, I want you to know that's when we can say, I know the plans God has for me. Plans to prosper me, not to harm me. Plans to give me a hope. Plans to give me a future. And that's really what Moses is challenging. And then finally, the fourth thing, he's always saying, look ahead. Look ahead. Look ahead. Yes, he talks about their past. He talks about their past failures. He talks about their present. But he's always saying, look ahead. So the encouragement for you today, if you don't like your past, look ahead. If you don't like your present, look ahead. But there are some things that we need to do if we're going to step up to greatness. So let me give you a couple of thoughts. And let me start by reading Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. I'm just going to show you some things. It says, These are the words Moses spoke to all of Israel in the desert east of the Jordan. Okay, so he is outside of the Jordan, outside of the promised land. He is in the east side of the Jordan. Uh, if you think of uh, your, your, your historical map, if you think of Galilee, uh, way up top in the Sea of Galilee, and then you have the Jordan River that runs down. You have the Dead Sea at the bottom. He's down towards the bottom over in the land of the Moabites, all right? Pisgah's right down there. And so he's kind of right down here getting the men ready. He says, let me gather everybody together. I want to give them my last words. So he says, he, he's on the east side of the Jordan. It says in verse 2, it takes about 11 days to go from there to Horeb, and we're going to talk about that. That's also another term from Mount Sinai, to Kadesh Barnea, to the Mount of Seir Road. And so in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. What a sad, sad phrase. So what's the sad phrase, Pastor? In the 40th year. In the 40th year, they still aren't in the promised land. That's sad. Everybody say that's sad. That's sad. You want to know how long it should have taken them from Egypt to go into the promised land? With a group that big? About a month. About a month. If you walked real fast, you could have done it in 11 days. But you had women and children, you had a little thing, just you had to stop and get the Ten Commandments on your way. But should have taken them a month. Took them 40 years to get to this point. Guys, the encouragement for y'all today and the encouragement for me is let's don't let ourselves linger in the desert for 40 years. When in a month, God can do something powerful in your life. When in a month, God can do something special in our church. And I will tell you, if God's going to do something powerful in your life, we're going to see some principles today that we can step up to greatness. And I will tell you, if every man in this room stepped up to greatness, we would see God do something powerful in this church, even more than what he's doing right now. Because you're going to see here in a second, Moses begins to talk about men over and over and over again. Because if it's going to happen, 
it's going to happen because of men. If it's going to happen, it's because men say, I'm sick and tired of being on the east side of the Jordan when the promised land is right over there. And they're going, we can see it. Matter of fact, 40 years earlier, the spies came out and showed them the fruit. Remember that? It's a great land, but we can't go in. And what a sad state. On the 40th year after the Exodus, they're so close, but yet so far. And so we want to be the kind of people that are always willing to go in. So let me give you a couple of thoughts as we think about this. You know, how do men step up into greatness? I'm just going to go through some of Moses' words today and give you a couple of thoughts. Number one, recognize you have stayed where you are spiritually for far too long. Recognize that you have stayed where you are spiritually for far too long. It is time to break camp and move forward. It's time to move forward, all right? If, if you are um, uh, about, as, about as low as you've ever been spiritually, you've been there too long. Let's step up to greatness. If you are somewhere in the middle, you say, hey, I can think of years in the past when, man, I really had it. I was serving God. I was loving God. I was loving my wife. I was doing this. I was doing that. Man, but I have fallen. Can I tell you, you, you you've stayed there long enough. Man, if you are killing it, all right? You say, Pastor, let me tell you what. From where I was to where I am, I am killing it. Can I tell you this? You still stayed there long enough. It is time to break camp and advance. Notice what it says, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 5. It says he's east of the Jordan uh, in the territory of Moab. Moses began to expound the law. The Lord our God said to us, on Horeb. Horeb is a mountain. It is also called, uh, it's referred to mostly uh, by Moses as uh, Mount Horeb in Deuteronomy. Over in Exodus, you hear it called Mount Sinai a lot. A long time uh, earlier, they call it Mount Sinai. Man, some, some powerful things happened up on this mountain. How many of you know what this is? If you think Mount Sinai, let me just give you a couple of thoughts. Um, it's called the mountain of God. Uh, this is where this mountain He's, re he's remembering they're not at that mountain. He's saying, remember back then, this is the mountain that Moses experienced the burning bush at? That he, that he when he had the conversation after he had been uh, the shepherd for a long time, this is where he had the conversation with God in the burning bush. This is where after the children of Israel came out of the promised land, uh, that he went up there and he got the Ten Commandments. This is the mountain he's talking about. He's going to remember back on that mountain. He goes, we're not there right now. But some good things happened. It was right around this mountain that the children of Israel uh, ran out of water. And God said, hey, go strike the rock. He struck the rock, got water out of it. And it was this mountain that uh, there was one time when Moses was up on the mountain for a long, long time. The children of Israel doubted he was alive. And they built a golden calf. It was right down there. Hey, you fast forward. This mountain was important even in Elijah's day. If you go look at this same mountain. Elijah, uh, remember after he had the Mount Carmel experience and then Jezebel was going to kill him? It, it says, Elijah began to run. He ran to a cave somewhere around Mount Horeb and hid in a cave. And remember, God showed up, not in the earthquake, not in the windstorm, but in a still, small voice. Remember what the still, small voice said? Hey, Elijah, what are you doing here? Hiding out in a cave. And so when he brings that up, all of this imagery ought to be, ought to bring to mind, hey, what are you doing here? 
Man, it's time for us to break camp, to move forward. And here's what happened. Elijah said yes. So he goes down, almost immediately meets the guy he's going to hand the mantle to, Elisha. You know where, he, where Elijah blesses Elisha and says, I give you everything God has given me? It was on this same mountain. So guys, wherever you are, maybe there's some guys in this room where you are an Elijah waiting for someone to be like Moses to encourage you to go in. Maybe you are an Elisha to someone like Elijah who is ready to pass the mantle to you. The question is, are you willing to grab it? Are you willing to hold on? We're moving towards the Summer Olympics. Um, I love the Summer Olympics more than the Winter Olympics because I, I can at least kind of run around a track without falling. I can't do that in the winter. The Winter Olympics is crazy. But one of the things that we always see and always look at, and Gina's a former track cross-country so she always wants us to tap in uh, on, the, uh, on, the, uh, on, the, on the racing, on the sprinting. But she particularly likes the relay races. What's the most unique part of the relay race? is can they hold on to the baton, right? And you will see probably, it always happens every year, you will see what? You will see probably that one of the number one, two, or three teams end up being ejected, why? Because they just couldn't complete the handoff. And one of the saddest things you will ever see are maybe four amazingly fast studs discouraged with the baton on the ground or some ladies with the baton on the ground. And so it was this mountain where Elijah said, here to Elisha, my ministry's done, but I'm gonna encourage you. Here's the baton. That's exactly what Moses is doing right here as he opens up the book of Deuteronomy. He goes, listen, I've done my part. I'm giving you all the baton because I want you to go in. And I want you to do something that I wasn't even able to do. We're Mo That's exactly what Moses is saying. As good a leader as Moses was, is, he's saying, I couldn't do it. Who did Moses pass the baton to? Joshua. So men in here, I want to encourage you. If you're an older man, begin to look around. Who are you passing your baton to? Who are you encouraging along the way? Who are you leading? Who are you showing? And so let me tell you, he says, remember? Remember how many amazing things? He's, he's telling them, remember. God did at Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, but he's also saying God wants to do way more when we go into the promised land. Now just continue to read, go back to verse 5. On the east side of the Jordan, Moab, Moses began to expound the law. Uh, the Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Let me tell you, guys, you've stayed long enough where you are. Spiritually, it is time to move on. I just told you, uh, how many of you would say that Mount Sinai was a pretty cool place? Mount Horeb, a lot of good things happened. Ten Commandments, big thing. Strike, uh, strike the rock, big thing. Burning bush, how many of you would like to see that? Wouldn't you love to go see Mount Sinai's museum? Uh, that'd be one museum I'd be willing to go to. How many of you know? I'd go check that museum out. But listen to this. God showed up to them at Mount Sinai, this mountain that, by the way, in the Old Testament is referred to as the mountain of God. And God says, you've stayed here long enough. Well, I don't, I don't know about you, um, but if I was going to stay somewhere in the Old Testament, the mountain of God would be my choice. What about you? 
But here's the key. The mountain of God is not your promised land. Do we get that? As cool as the mountain of God is, it's not the promised land. And so that's why God says, listen, you've stayed here long enough. I don't want you to come over here and build a bunch of cathedrals and chapels and all of these things. He says, why? Because this is a cool mountain. This is where you met with me. This is where you heard from me. This is where I gave you water. This is where Elijah is going to pass the mantle to Elijah. This is where uh, man uh, Moses goes up and says, man, I'm standing on holy ground. This is where it all happened. But you've stayed here long enough. Let's go into the promised land. So I just want to encourage you guys, wherever you are right now, you stayed long enough at that mountain. Some of you are on the highest spiritual mountain you've ever been on. You've stayed at that mountain long enough. It's still not the promised land. Some of you are on a little bitty mountain. You can remember a better mountain. I just want to encourage you with the words of God that Moses reiterated to them. You've stayed there long enough. You've stayed there long enough. And I'm going to tell you, he's going to tell them some of the things that you can do to make sure you move from the mountain of God into the promised land. And so we've stayed here long enough. Now, let's, let's just continue to read. Notice what he said. Here's the second idea. We need to break camp in advance. All right? You've got to pack everything up, and you've got to advance. Here's what it says. Jump down to verse 7. Here's what Moses said. He says, break camp in advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring people in the mountains and in the western foothills along the coast and the land of the Canaanites and, in, and the Lebanon as far as the great river, the great river Euphrates. You know what he's saying? Go everywhere. He says, when you go into the promised land, you're going to seize it all. You're going to take it all. We're not going to stay out at the mountain of God. We're not going to be just east of the Jordan. We're not going to walk around in the wilderness anymore. We're going to go into the promised land, and we are going to go everywhere. And I love that idea. He says, you need to break camp. My idea of what it means to break camp is we need to break some of the old habits that have held us back in our lives. And I will tell you, we all have some bad how many of you let's be honest how many of you have at least one bad habit how many of you have too many to count i'm telling you as your pastor you've been around here long enough i've got some bad habits all right now we'll tell you i was greatly encouraged the other day one of my bad habits is i love oreos how many of you know that anybody see the study that the oreo study that just came out that Oreos are more effective at lowering your bad cholesterol than a statin. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Go look that up. Go look that up. It's a, some Harvard medical guy. You can go look at it. Now, it, it's early in the study. But I'm not waking, waiting around for the conclusion, all right? I'm all in early. I'm like, man, I, I'll, be, I'll be the guinea pig. Is that what you do? Do we do those anymore? We need more guinea pigs. I'm in. Boy, but I read that, and I was like, golly, that is awesome. No wonder I am so healthy. More Oreos than a man should be able to eat. I'm in, right? Now, he says, listen, break camp. We've got to break some old habits. If we're going to get into the promised land, that's exactly what he says. He says, listen, it is time for you to break camp. You say, what kind of bad habits do I have? I, I won't go into all the potential sins. Let me just tell you, let me talk about some good habits. What would be some good habits that would help us move from some mountain of God or some uh, mountain on the east side of the Jordan into the promised land? 
First of all, you gotta stop seeing certain spiritual disciplines as optional when they're not. I'll say that again. I think a lot of times men see certain spiritual disciplines as optional when they're not. You say like what? I think a lot of times we see worship as optional, as dudes. Is it, you know, I, I, I'll be all right. I don't really need to worship together. Can I tell you, in Scripture, worship is not an option. Do we understand that? It says you go to worship. You worship God. It's when we humble our hearts and humble our lives and we gather with God's people. So if you really want to move forward and break some old habits, stop seeing worship as optional. Something else you need to break, bad habit you need to break. Don't see reading God's Word and studying, God's, studying the Bible as optional. It's not something we want to do from time to time. Man, you look in God's Word, we're told to read and study God's Word and meditate on God's Word daily. Man, we've got to break that bad habit of seeing the study of God's Word and the listening to God's Word and reading of God's Word as optional. Let me give you another one. Man, if, now this is, if we as a church are going to go into the promised land, men in this room and who listen to this podcast need to make some decisions. Serving somewhere in the church, guys, that's not optional. You look in the New Testament, you look in the Old Testament, everybody had a job to do. Yeah, you had priests. Yeah, you had Levites. You had those teachers of the law, but everybody had a job to do. You can't look at, well, you know, serving in the church is optional. You got Dave back there, you got a student minister, you got D now this weekend. D now is literally about opening doors and slapping some kids on the head if they need it. I mean, who doesn't want to do that? I'm kidding. Somebody might want to edit that out just in case one of us do slap some kid in the head. And, and, and I'm probably the first in line. <laughs> oh, you're 13? Pop. I have no idea. I don't know your name. I don't know anything. I just know you popping the head. Uh, but here, we're serving, serving somewhere, man. Parking lot somewhere. Serving is not optional. It is part of our growth. Why? Because we demonstrate to other men who are not serving. Man, this is what a godly man does. He cares more for others than he does for himself. Guess what? That'll turn around and apply your marriage, your life, as you raise your kids. Let me give you another one. Break an old habit. Being a good steward of your money. That's not optional. Can I tell you, if you look in God's Word, we're not invited from time to time to tip God when things go well, toss him a 10 or a 20 or a 30. How many of you heard the NASA professor, uh, the NASA guy the other day? Man, what an incredible thought. Man, if you're going to be the kind of men that aren't just on the east side of the Jordan or even at a mountain of God, if we really want to break camp, we're going to have to start saying worship is an optional. Reading God's Word, studying God's Word is an optional. Serving in God's church, it's not optional. Being a good steward and tithing my money, that's, that's not optional. Those are clear commands in Scripture. And I will just tell you, here's the point. The point is not to get on you. It's to encourage you. This is what Moses is saying. He said, some of you have never made it into the promised land spiritually because you're failing to do the little things I commanded you to do. And man, let me tell you what. For years in my life, I was that way. For years in my life, I was that way. I'd say, oh, I, I think that's kind of optional for me. And 
Guys, there are certain things that if we're going to get into the promised land, they're not optional. If we're going to step up to greatness, they're not optional. And I want to encourage you with that, man. Be what God wants you to be. So listen, we've got to break camp, break some old habits. We have a tendency too often to live in the past. Guys, some of y'all have some past that you have a tendency to live in. Notice what Moses said. He says, break camp, break some old habits, and then he says, advance. Don't live in the past. What's Moses' challenge? We came to the Jordan once before. We were this close to crossing and being in the promised land 40 years earlier. And we turned around and went back. You know what Moses is saying? He says, I'm not going with you. I'm going to go up on Mount Pisgah. I'm going to see it. But Joshua is going to lead you in. He says, listen, advance. And then he says, and you're going to go to this people and this people and this people and this people. And by the way, those are all enemies in the land. Do you understand that? He says, when you go in the land, there are going to be some tough seasons. There are going to be some fights. There are going to be some battles that you have to go. But here he says, break your old habits, the habits that keep you back, and then move forward. He says, advance. Don't live in the past. Guys, some of you have some incredible past. Don't live in that past. Some of you probably have some of the most mundane and mediocre past you can ever imagine. Don't live in that past. Some of you have a horrible past, and you're shocked you're not in prison. Don't live in that past. Whatever you do, we want to advance. We want to move forward. Why? Because the Jordan and the promised land is over there. We can't stay here regardless of how close we are. And so as you just think about it, then as you move on, he says, we want to constantly do anything but be spiritually complacent. That's why he says, and you're going to go here, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. And he's saying, man, we're not going to be spiritually complacent. Here's what he's already preparing. This is Moses preparing the people who are going to the promised land. He says, you're going to be tempted when you get into the promised land to, to carve out a little small green spot and stay right there and say, this is good enough. All right? Do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to be tempted to go in and say, this is good enough. And God says, no, no, no. I want you to control all of the promised land, every bit of it. He says, I want, I want you to go up north to the hills and to the Sea of Galilee. I want you to go west to the Mediterranean Sea. I want you to go south, uh, down toward Egypt and Gaza. He goes, I want you to go south. And he says, I want you to do it all. He says, I want you to take it all. So guys, here's, here's the invitation. I, I love what Moses says. Listen, when you get into the promised land, don't just carve out a little spot. Expect God's going to give it all to you. But we need to be willing to not become spiritually complacent. I will tell you this, I found this in my life, and maybe some of you have found it in your lives. There, there are times I get really fired up, and I'm serving God, and I'm worshiping God, and it just seems like everything, I'm in the flow. And what happens? Things start going really good for me, anybody else like me, and then all of a sudden I get complacent. I can just ride a little spiritual wave or a spiritual momentum. Am I the only guy that ever does that? He says, but we don't want to do that. And so perhaps you're in here today and, and you've been a little spiritually complacent. He says, man, break camp and advance. 
go to this place, go to this place, go to this place, go to this place. What, what are the foothills you need to go to? What are the, what are, what's, what's the, what's the uh, sea that you need to go to? What's the enemy that you need to conquer? Don't ever stop. I love that. Here's the next thing as you just read down to verse 8. He says, man, when we go in, we got to go in and take possession. Look at verse 8. He says, see, I've given you. This is God talking, by the way. This isn't Moses talking. He says, see, I've given you this land. He says, go in, take possession of the land the Lord your God swore to you and give to your forefathers, your Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his descendants. Then he says that next. Remember, when God blesses his people, he always needs men to step up. I'm going to close with this thought. All right? We're going to expound a little bit more on it next week when we come back. Look at verse 9. He says, and this, now this is Moses. So God said, go in and take the land. Now this is Moses opening his heart. And so now this is a past, your pastor opening his heart. Look at what it says in verse 9. At that time, Moses said, I said to you, you are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. Just let that settle in. If you've been around here, how many of you know God has been blessing our church in some powerful and amazing ways? Can, can, I, can I tell you this? That's too heavy a burden for your pastor to carry alone. And for those of you who've been around here, you know I, I don't cry wolf. When we see all the people that God is bringing our way, all the ministry that needs to happen as they come our way. Can I tell you, it's too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. Can I tell you, you have Justin the shorter and Justin the taller right over there. It's too heavy for us to carry alone. Dave, are you still awake back there, Dave? Okay, Dave's still back there. As our, as our children's ministry, continues to explode, it's too heavy a burden for Dave to carry alone. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Moses was a bad dude. How many of you would say he's a bad dude? All right. And he looked at the people and he goes, you're too heavy a burden. Now, why was it, were they too heavy a burden? Just read it. He says, the Lord your God has increased your numbers so that today you're as numerous as stars in the sky. What is he saying? God's been good to us in spite of our sin, in spite of the fact that we meandered around the desert for 40 years. He says, that's a blessing of God. Let me tell you what God, what is, what God is doing in our church right now is a blessing in a powerful and a real way. But it's too heavy a burden for a couple of us to do alone. So what's the answer? Just continue to read. But how can I bear your problems and your burdens and your disputes all by myself? Look at verse 13. He says, choose some wise men and understanding respected men from each of your tribes. Then I will set them over this. And so listen, here's what it is. And this is where we're going to close. All right. As they had grown, Moses still tried to do it all. Moses, Joshua, Aaron, a couple of them, Caleb, they tried to do it all. They couldn't. As a matter of fact, uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes in and shows up to Moses. Remember what he says? You can go over there and look. He says, you're killing yourself. You're trying to handle all the burdens and all the problems and all this, and you're killing yourselves. And he goes, why are you killing yourselves? You've got incredibly capable men 
that can take this on. And so Moses said, ha, never thought about that. And it says they came together, called all the tribes, men stepped up, and men began to take that. He says, and then the big stuff kept coming to me. So here's the invitation, and I want to close. We're going to step up to greatness. Break camp, your old habits. Advance, move past spiritual complacency. Continue to come along as we celebrate God making us more than the number of stars in the skies. He brings his blessings our way. But know with that opportunity comes an obligation that godly men will step up and say, put some of it on my shoulders. And if we as a core group of men in this church will say yes to that, the promised land is just a few days away. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for the opportunity to just hang out with these guys and celebrate the blessings. God, thank you for a man like Moses who, after being faithful but not perfect for all of his life, knew he wasn't going in but wanted to do everything he could to pass the baton to the next generation that would. God, let us be the kind of men that say yes to you and say yes to going to the promised land. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Glad you're in God's house this morning. Amen. Y'all have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.